Over the last few years, event professionals have seen a lot of changes and challenges that are going to have a lasting effect on the industry. So on this podcast, we're talking to some of the best in the business about the opportunities these changes have presented, the questions that have emerged, and what's on the event's horizon. Welcome to Event Horizons. I'm Nolan Ether. And I'm Olivia Van Karen. In this episode, we're going to take a closer look at the long-awaited return of in-person events. And the stakes are higher than ever. With budget cuts across the board, in-person events really have to wow and drive ROI. The in-person event format is evolving before our eyes. To kick things off, let's talk about some of the problems event professionals are facing. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems we're seeing and one of the biggest challenges is that attendance just isn't where it was at pre-pandemic. And I think at this point, a lot of the concerns are maybe less about health and safety and more about budget cuts. We're seeing businesses across the board are just experiencing budget cuts, not having as much um, funds to send their their staff and their employees to, to conferences. So, you know, that's, I think, a challenge and virtual is still an option for people, right? Like they don't necessarily have to pay for an airplane ticket, a hotel, a week at Las Vegas or a major city to attend an event when they can, you know, still attend in person. There's that struggle right now where, you know, in person's back, but how do we get people in the door and actually excited and motivated to come? Absolutely. Yeah. How do you attract those attendees to those in-person events? Especially like you said, now that the virtual is here and here to stay, there's more options than ever. And then once you get them to those events, I know that what's on top of event professionals' minds still and always is how do you keep them engaged once they're there, right? And now that we have all these virtual events and other ways to engage people, it's just that much harder. I think their expectations are higher and we're just hearing more and more than ever that we just have to find new and engaging ways to get people excited when they're at the event. Yeah, definitely. There has to be something that really sets it apart because the the tried and true way pre-pandemic of just showing a presentation having people sit, you know, 50 yards back and just take notes, that, that just isn't going to cut it anymore. It's just not compelling. There have to be those, you know, elements that really make it worth attendees' time. You know, when we started this podcast, we thought we were going to see this huge rush back to in-person. And I think we definitely saw an eagerness to return to in-person in the spring, but attendance was lower than we had anticipated. Right. It turned out the attendance in spring was about only 65% of pre-pandemic numbers. I remember when I went to Experiential Marketing Summit back in April, I was really excited to go back and see people I hadn't seen in the last few years. But in the back of my mind, I was still wondering if the in-person experience with all their related cost and time investment would be worth it. Definitely. At that point, we had all become used to the convenience of virtual experiences. A lot of people really do like the convenience of attending events from home. We even see this reflected in how many people look for jobs that are remote-based. But to delve more into why getting attendees to return to in-person events has been such a challenge, we wanted to talk with our first guest today, Courtney Stanley. Courtney is a keynote speaker, event MC, career coach, and PR and marketing expert with a background in experience design, community engagement, and leadership development. So Courtney, what do the return to in-person events look like in the spring? There was a rush in certain 
industries within our particular communities. So I think that we've seen some people who are really, really ready and excited to get back to in-person and doing anything that they could to promote and support that happening. Um, you know, especially our hospitality partners, our hotels, properties and companies that were just so excited to have that business brought back. I think their doors were wide open and they were ready to go. And that's a lot of what I saw at EMS in Vegas. There were safety protocols in place, but other than that, it felt very similar to a pre-pandemic event, and everyone was excited to be there. But as nice as that sounds, we know it hasn't been true for all events. Why didn't we see the rush back to in-person that we were hoping for? There has definitely been a struggle, I think, especially with smaller groups where people aren't quite ready to go back to being in person. And It's not necessarily that there is a significant health concern. I think that the industry has done quite a bit to make sure that the safety is prioritized for their attendees. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are vaccinated now. There are different types of preventative measures that make that less of a concern for people. However, I think people got used to being home. I think that there were and still are quite a bit of benefits to being able to work from home, take care of your family. Uh, There's less travel required, uh, sometimes in some cases less burnout for people not having to travel quite as much. And sometimes it's more efficient to take a call or a meeting from home. It may not have the same impact or be the same experience as as you would have in person, but there's convenience there. So if we want to see in-person attending numbers increase, we have to recognize that we can't format events the way we have in the past. Event professionals are having to rethink how they structure their events and how they can create unique in-person experiences that they simply can't provide virtually. Attendees have to see the value there. Courtney, with that in mind, what changes can event professionals make to their programming that will resonate with their attendees and begin to bring them back? We always hear, you know, make it bite-sized, but then we see programs and sometimes they're 90-minute workshops or sessions. And it's like, can we do this more efficiently? Can we do this in a way where people aren't checking their email or they're trying to figure out if they can escape and pretend they have a coffee meeting that they have to get to? Like, let's be real. Let's understand that the people in our audience came because they want to learn, they want to meet other people, and they're genuinely interested in being there. But if we can't keep them interested, they're not going to want to stay. You have to make sure that the content not only is relevant and it's timely for the people in the audience, but you also have to make sure that your speaker is good. And I think that that's something that for a really long time, we maybe didn't give as much consideration. And is that person that's taking and consuming this experience for the next 60 minutes, is that person actually going to be someone that's exciting, that's engaging, that's memorable, that's moving, that's inspiring? And if the answer is no, then you have to understand that that's going to impact the overall experience and potentially whether that person comes back the next year. Thanks, Courtney. And I think she made a great point. Creating an engaging event has always been the goal of organizers, but the qualifications for what makes an in-person event engaging has changed over the last few years and is continuing to evolve. Ultimately, people have really begun to value their time more in the last few years. And maybe the most valuable use of their time is a short information-packed event instead of a days or even week-long conference. It's certainly something we've heard a lot about from our customers. Meredith Schatz, Chief Experience Officer at Miller Tanner Associates, an event planning agency, thinks the future will include shorter in-person event experiences too. Gone are the days of 
three to five days in person. We're not seeing that trend anywhere except for potentially an incentive uh, trips where you're on vacation. Um, most of the executive teams we're working with are trying to figure out how to spend the most time as possible, condense as much as possible into the shortest period of time so that people can return to their families, their communities, and get back on the road and work because most businesses are in a position of trying to recover in some way economically from COVID. And so they're valuing time together, but in shortened, shortened chunks for sure. So Nolan, if you could have a vacation conference anywhere, where would it be? Man, my answer is probably not going to be super exciting because I haven't done as much traveling as a lot of people, but I've always wanted to go to Hawaii and I've never been. Um, and I've heard a lot of really cool events that happen in Hawaii. There's lots of sports events and tournaments and cool stuff like that. So I'll be boring and say I would want to spend my week on a tropical vacation in Hawaii. What about you? So one of my dream places to visit is Iceland. And actually, I spoke with Meredith um, separately for a case study. Um, MTA is, a, is an incredible WebEx events customer. And um, they actually hosted their internal all-company event in Iceland, um, and it was completely outdoors. They wanted to really explore having an event that was totally outdoors, just kind of like disconnected from everything. I just think that would be super fun um, to be in such a beautiful place and really take that time to connect with my team, um, connect with nature, and have all those great components kind of just bundled into this one incredible event experience. So. Probably Iceland, anywhere in Europe, but would love to go to Iceland. And if you want to learn more about that event that MTA hosted, their customer story is available on our website. We'll link it in the show notes, but it's a it's a great story. I would talk about their their hybrid event, but we do touch on their their event in Iceland. So check it out. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard some awesome things about Iceland. So that's that's a good choice. Yeah, I definitely think a nice trip to a fun, beautiful place would make me way more likely to attend an event. What do you think, Meredith? If you're making me leave my home to come on a plane and travel somewhere and be at a hotel, it needs to be worth it. So we're seeing an incredible attention to detail on quality of hotel, quality of experience, and then outcomes that are required. So certainly selecting a city that's easy to travel to for, your, for the majority of your attendees is a high priority more of a priority now than budget ever has been. Second and third tier cities aren't as valuable, even if they save money because people are looking for the convenience of travel. I think with regards to the face-to-face the -face aspect, certainly as well, looking for experiences that evoke something. So we had a client recently who did an incredible event in Denver. They selected a hotel that you could actually take the train from the Denver airport right to Union Station in Denver. And the hotel was a one minute walk. So it kind of reduced this, it made this easy transportation into the event. It was only 30 minutes back and forth to the airport. And then at the event, they focused on things that were really local to Denver. So the welcome bag was all local Denver items. You know, the as you went through the event, they ended up at a, in addition to the content sessions, which were important, they did a session at a local beer and cider maker, so you could experience other things that De about that Denver had to offer. And that was incredibly important um, for the attendees that had left home. So if we're gonna be in Denver, why are we here? Let's experience the local community, let's experience the local products, and let's really immerse ourselves not only in the content, but in the location. 
So Nolan, what kind of brand activations and experiential marketing did you see at EMS in April? Yeah, I mean, EMS is the experiential marketing summit. So it's kind of the holy grail for these types of in-person activations. There was lots of really cool stuff there. I mean, I remember I, I posted on LinkedIn and it kind of went a little bit mini viral, my experience with the proto holographic system, which is really neat. You, you can kind of stand in front of a camera and then all of a sudden you see yourself. It looks like you were projected like Mike TV from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory into a box, essentially life-size right there in front of you. Um, 4K is really, really cool. There were other interesting things. I, I have a picture somewhere here of a mosaic where they basically took a, a photo of me and then they printed out this mosaic that was made out of all these different images from places all over the world. Um, they were like landscapes, but the colors were mapped to the colors in the photo so that the photo, my photo was made up of all of those different images, which was really neat. So, and kind of a one one-time experience. There was a VR, like a full VR. It was almost like an arcade game you would have back in like a, a Dave and Buster's or something like that. But it was like, put the headset on and then you're sitting in a chair and you go like flying a plane or these all these different vehicles and different terrains and things like that. And there were people getting motion sick. There were people like reacting as if they were actually there and forgetting that they were in VR for a second, like swatting away fake bugs and stuff like that. There's just a lot of really cool ways. You can't get any of those types of experiences virtually. You know, if you're just doing swag, that, you know, swag is great, but that's not the end all be all of in-person events. You just go in there to get free stuff. There's there's things that you can do for your attendees that they haven't seen and can't experience anywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, talk about immersive experiences, all the things that you just talked about, like you're really bringing your attendee into the event. They're becoming a part of the experience and the content. And I think that's what's so amazing about in-person events is that there's that tangible aspect, right? Like you're on the show floor, you're doing all these cool things. It's very tangible. So. Yeah. And they talk a lot about how, you know, people nowadays are starting to value less about stuff and more about experiences. Right. And so to be able to say, you come back from this event and yeah, I met this cool person. Yeah. I had this great meeting, but I also got to, you know, walk around the, uh, the little robot dog and I got to see myself, you know, life-size hologram hologram of myself in a in a six-foot box and all these really cool things. Whether you realize it or not, your attendees are going to tie that affinity and that excitement of that experience in with your brand. You're the one that provided that for them. So it, it may seem strange sometimes. You may feel like, oh, this is a expense that we don't need. But it's very possible that somebody has a really beneficial meeting and sees a great product in one booth and then says thank you and walks over to the next booth and gets one of these incredible experiential elements or brand activations, and then winds up walking away feeling even better about the brand that they got the experiential from than the one that they got the demo from, just because they, they see that you understand how to actually engage attendees. So Olivia, let's recap what we've learned so far. So shorter bite-sized event content is important to keep attendees engaged during the event. Try to incorporate elements of your host city into the event experience. But even with these changes, it's not always enough to entice someone to attend an in-person event. And that's a lot of attendees they're missing out on. But figuring out how to serve them in addition to the in-person attendees is an entirely new challenge that has arisen in the last few years. What we know for sure is that putting a camera in the back of the conference hall is not enough to give them an engaging experience which is essential.
about, you know, all of these interactive experiential elements of in-person events, but it's still important to think about how can we translate that into a virtual experience? And then how can we bring those in-person and virtual attendees together to experience these really compelling, you know, interactive components together in a space that feels like they're both getting value out of the event experience? Yeah, absolutely. It, we hear over and over again from event professionals lately that attendees do not think of themselves as in-person attendees or virtual attendees. So all the things we're learning from virtual and how to engage audiences need to be incorporated into in-person. All the great brand activations and ideas and experiential elements that we get in in-person, how can we translate those to virtual? And more and more, how are we bringing those audiences together for unique, personalized, equally valuable, but different experiences. So to figure out why organizers might need to invest in hybrid experiences and how exactly to create a great one, we wanted to talk to Sarah Kragness, owner of Your VIP Event. Sarah, what have you observed about the return to in-person events? Um, I think some organizations, their communities uh, are excited to come back in person because they want to see their friends that they haven't seen in two years that live on the other side of the country. And then there's other people who they are like, why can't we just do this online? It seems like as we talk to experts in the field that even though people don't love the term hybrid and the definition still isn't clear, the expectation seems to be that at least for the flagship in-person events, we're going to continue to see more virtual elements, more connected experiences, and new ways to bring together your virtual and in-person attendees while also providing them different but equally valuable experiences. Have you seen a similar trend in the clients you work with? I think now that we're coming back in person, it's still figuring out how to engage that big audience, right? Because when we're virtual, some people saw that even more people were attending. So it's how do we get them to come in person or do a hybrid and still engage the virtual and in-person people? It's kind of expanded in a way that I wouldn't have predicted. And you can reach such a bigger audience with a hybrid. But then there's also those challenges, right? Because it costs more to do hybrid. It can be way more time consuming because you're doing two events at the same time, basically. So there's there's pros and cons to everything. But I think the amount of people that you can reach now was never tapped into before the pandemic. Yeah, I totally agree. I think with year-round virtual experiences, we found a way to reach attendees beyond the in-person flagship events that only happen maybe once a year. Yeah, and there's still some uncertainty there. Event professionals are working through finding the right balance of in-person and virtual experiences and managing smaller budgets. Right. They're also trying to attract and engage attendees, get up to speed on event technology, and prove ROI for their events all at the same time. After the pandemic, nothing was guaranteed, ever. It still isn't. Every day, you're still like, should we add something to like make it a little more safe? Should we add a virtual component? Should we just do it in person? It's so stressful. And I just commend everyone who is in the events industry because you held on. You're still here. And we're killing it. We're knowing if you have an event and the attendee doesn't know that all of the crap hit the fan, then you did something right. <laughs> so if you're an event organizer right now, you're definitely a hero of ours. And we hope this podcast will help you see that you're not alone. The whole industry is continuing to evolve. And if you're listening to this podcast, 
you're on the leading edge. So buckle up everybody, because we are just getting started. Now that in-person events are back and better than ever, virtual experiences have to raise the bar once again. Next time, we'll take a deep dive into how event professionals can reduce virtual fatigue and provide engaging digital experiences. This podcast is brought to you by WebEx Events. For more great resources, to learn more about our guests, or to learn more about WebEx Events, take a look at the links in the show notes. And don't forget to follow and leave us a review. I'm Nolan Ether. And I'm Olivia Van Kieran, and we'll talk to you next time on Event Horizons.